This is a WTF podcast experience. I mean, I'm not the holy grail of knowledge on business, and I've found over the years that business owners will teach you a great deal about their business if you listen. So, um, and they're quite passionate about it. A collection of ferrets is called a business, and here on New Zealand's most awarding business podcast, we tame the ferrets once and for all. We welcome entrepreneurs, leaders, inspirational figureheads to inform, educate, motivate, and inspire. My name is Freddie Bennett, entrepreneur, world record holder, author, and wannabe podcast host. And today, folks, we have got a real treat for you. I am delighted to welcome here to the Taming the Ferret studio, we have Nick Hosking, Commercial Growth Manager at Kiwi Bank. Nick, it is a pleasure to welcome you to Taming the Ferrets. Thanks, Freddie. It's great to be here. Well, it's great to have you here. And uh, so, so Nick, to, to get us started off, for anyone that doesn't know what a commercial growth manager at Kiwi Bank is or does, tell us a bit about yourself. A uh, commercial growth manager is a uh, similar to a commercial manager, I guess, that probably um, many New Zealand businesses have uh, had over time. So we um, we basically help help you with your commercial business. Um, whether it be acquisitions or growth or, or yeah, we, we lend you money basically to do the things that you want to do. Amazing. Yeah. I, I love that. And and I'm sure there's a lot of businesses out there at the moment that, that need not just the, the financial support, but also the, the, the business guidance and the, and the growth guidance as well. Yeah, I think uh, most directors that I speak to or, um, you know, CEOs of boards and stuff, it can be quite a little uh, lonely job, mm. you know, where you sort of quite nice to have a, a certain type of person around you or a council or a team of people to sort of you know bounce ideas off Definitely. Mm. and how how did you get into in, into banking to start with before you went into into this role was it something that you you always wanted to do as a child or has it been a, a bit of a journey um I probably fell into banking to mm. be fair like you know it's sort of never really kind of um wasn't a goal you know, when I sort of, you know, do what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't think anyone ever says I want to be a banker. Well, maybe. Um, <laughs> um, I think my first goal was probably to be an Air Force pilot because I'd watched Top Gun, you know, a hundred times over as a exactly little guy. Exactly the same here. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I think we, we all fell into careers that are much more exciting than, than Air Force pilots or totally. Navy pilots, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I sort of, um, I, uh, I left school um, fairly early. You know, um, went went to help the old man out on the tools, typical sort of Kiwi lifestyle, um, and then um, decided that uh, I wanted to go to university after a couple of years, and I went and went to Waikato. Had a great time there. Um, got my degree and. Uh, actually worked for um, some liquor companies to start off with in the sort of retail sort of industry as you do. It was I was pretty good at um, tasting beer after university. It's a dream job going straight from university into the liquor industry. Yeah, and it was good. It was good. You know, you're dealing with, with public and, you know, and um, business to business and wholesales and it took me up to the Coromandel um, and then um, I sort of saw an opportunity to... Um, I saw an opportunity for a branch manager's role in retail banking, actually, in Tauranga to open the Bayfair seven-day branch. Yep. 
and they wanted people to work weekends and you know no bankers wanted to work weekends back then and I was in the liquor industry and I was oh, I'll work weekends that's pretty yeah. normal and that's kind of where it started really and then um, I started in retail banking running branches and then got uh, picked up into commercial banking in the national bank and went to the horse which were you know kind of co-owned by the by the two mm. and that's really it that's that's where I started learning the sort of the craft of commercial banking and relationship management yeah amazing and I think to I've worked around the banking industry in the past I've never worked in the banking industry is it from the outside, it can seem just such a complex world with all the, the, the different language and the terminology and obviously the numbers and everything else. How, how are you able to make it simple for either for current business owners or people that would love to start that business one day, that have a dream of, of having their own business? And, and it can be overwhelming at times. How, how do you help people start? It's a good question. Um... I think, yeah, my, my comment on, on the banking industry being complex with a lot of jargon, I think it's got even more complex over the last few years. If you use reference points like AML and sort of that kind type of um, governance, I think, yeah, it can be very confusing and overwhelming for people trying to start a business. Um, how do we make it simple for people? It starts with having a conversation, really, and I think if you're the type of banker, and, and I think Kiwi Bank's a great bank for that, is that we we love to sit and talk to Kiwi businesses and hear your ideas. Mm. And um, if the idea is reasonably good, you know, and you've got a good plan and you've got some people around you, we're, we're fairly open to entertaining the idea. Mm. Yeah. I think that that's a really powerful point because I know... As I say, I'm thinking about the person, and, and let's face it, the world's been through a hell of a lot of change in the last couple of years. Mm. I uh, I was at an event in Auckland these last couple of days with a lot of people who are, all they're doing is talking about change and saying there's a lot of people out there at the moment that are either being forced to change careers or they're just thinking life's too short not to follow that dream of starting a business. But mm. they look at a bank and they just see it as a building where people come in and come out and it's like this, this scary place where you can't go in if you don't have money. They, they forget that there's that, that opportunity to talk to someone, to talk to a business expert mm. who, as you say, is, is willing to, to listen to ideas. And mm. well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that that's a great thing to, to really help, help break down some barriers and, and stop banking being so scary. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, the, we lend to people so it's you know we're not it's the people in behind the business that make it successful mm. you know you can have a great product but you can have poor execution and market you know and there's plenty of examples of those uh, all over the globe you know um, but ultimately if you've got a relationship with your banker and you're and you're honest and you know in the good times and the bad times I think there's that's kind of what we're about is, is banking people and growing the New Zealand economy. It's, Definitely. Yeah. And and this is where I can play the uh, the tourist card because it won't take a genius to work out that I wasn't a, a born and bred Kiwi. Um, but um, I hear a lot of positive things about how, how Kiwi Bank is, is, is different to, to the bigger banks. And, mm. uh, and that's always interesting coming in as an outsider and not having this, you know, the years and years of, of evidence or marketing to, to look at. And why why do you think that, that Kiwi Bank is different? And uh, I suppose deeper than that, 
why do you, why is it different to work for Kiwi Bank and not go off to to one of the other ones? Um, Kiwi Bank's pretty exciting. We're young, mm. you know. Some of the some of the older institutions have sort of you know got a hundred years behind them, probably more. Um, I think in business banking we'd be less than twenty. Yeah. So for us, growing market share is exciting. We don't we don't hold a great deal compared to some of the big four, um, but we and it gives us the opportunity to run a <clears throat> probably a different type of model, mm. being young and, and growing. So we run a we run very much a relationship focused model, mm. you know, where we enjoy being out with our customers and seeing their business and talking them through ideas, whether they be good or bad, and and um, and I think most of our bankers would would say that they love connecting people with good people. Yeah. So, you know, your network of people becomes everyone kind of co-mingles, I suppose, and then you get that kind of thought leadership within that circle and Mm. you sort of, the energy is good, you know, and yeah, you get it. I mean, I think it's really interesting because I know we were were talking before we came on air about, uh, in the UK, I used to call it the rise of, of digital banking where you had... I make it sound so young. In the olden days, you had the traditional bank that people went to and everyone knew each other. And then you know, the digital revolution hit. From a uh, from a retail point of view, no one went into their banks anymore. It's mm. all, as you say, on your phone, on your app. But then to have that, almost that, that the rev- revolution or rise again of, of the importance of personal relationships mm. and knowing that if you've got a question about your business, you're not going to have to call up a call centre in a different country. That you can you can speak to someone who you know, who knows you, and and, and just bounce some ideas off and, and and get almost that that support and that confidence that comes from knowing that you you can talk to an expert. Mm. Yeah, I think um, look, I've been doing commercial and corporate banking for coming up probably 15 years, and I've 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 been part of the old paper revolution you know um, where farmers used to write their budgets down on a on literally a piece of refill um, mm. you know to now where we're at where everything's digital and plugged in through zero and you've got information at your fingertips mm. I think there's a really um, important balance between the two so and I think a lot of people would say that zero has been revolutionary in terms of commercial banking because particularly from my point of view in terms of decision speed to decision into Mm. market so when someone needs liquidity quickly you know things like I can I can ask for those financials they're they're through to me within a couple of hours and you know we're able to kind of give a decision whereas previously you probably had to try and get hold of your accountant hopefully they answered and then they prepared a some kind of draft <laughs> simulation a couple of weeks later meanwhile yeah. you've got staff to pay or or, mm. or, or order to to pay for that's sitting on the dock Definitely. so yeah i think um i think there's a really good balance in in our business between digital and relationship mm. uh, it's uh, i think really important that we keep that because that's seems to work really well yeah Absolutely. I mean, and you said that you've 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 worked in the industry for fifteen years. So I guess that would have mean that you came in around the two thousand and eight crash, a bit before, a bit after. I actually started. I still remember when the GFC was kind of announced, mm. and I remember the um, retail branch at Bayfair that I was running ran out of cash. Really? Wow. That day, and I think I'd been in the role. 
three weeks. Mm. There you go. And I probably didn't comprehend what was actually happening at that time yeah. to probably where I am now. Mm. It's, um, yeah, but interesting times through the GFC. Yeah. With, with your, I guess with that, with that commercial viewpoint, having, as you say, seen the, the GFC and then the, the recovery, we've, you know, we've had wars, we've had pandemics. How mm. Have there been any sort of key, key trends in, in either the banking or the wider business landscape that have, have really stood out to you? Um, yeah, one in particular, I think um, the GFC probably taught New Zealand business a lot of lessons in terms of being able to be flexible and pivot really quickly. And so I think this time around, what I saw through COVID, um, particularly through my portfolio, is that New Zealand business is in very good shape and they've got some very good disciplines to actually move quickly and adjust their business, whereas probably in the GFC they didn't. They, yeah. they held on thinking she'll be right mm. and it probably wasn't right yeah. in some some markets so yeah I've seen a really COVID's been COVID's actually been relatively good I think for businesses because it sort of brought back some of those really um, good disciplines that they put into place through the GFC mm. and it's made them pop the hood on the business a little bit and actually say okay well is it efficient because we've had seven years of good times, right, where everyone's made, you know, pretty good money, you know, and you probably haven't really worried about certain things, you know, mm. yeah, so, yeah. I think it's, um, I heard a great quote, I can't remember if it was Warren Buffett or Ray Dalio or someone totally different, usually on this podcast, I, I don't remember who says my quotes, but um, it was something around, you know, when... Uh, when times are good and it's a high tide, everyone's just swimming, having fun. And when the tide comes out, you see who's swimming naked. Yes. And um, I think that it has been a key leveller. And this is obviously a personal opinion of mine. No one else is. But, but I believe that when there are tough economic times, there's always ways of, of making a successful business. And um, like I said, we don't get political on this show, but it doesn't matter who's, who's in power, what the economy is doing. Mm. I still think if you have the right mindset the right market idea mm. and the right support mm. in, in terms of things like support from from your bank and your advisors then then it's always possible to to, to be successful and make money yeah i agree i think there's always an opportunity mm. you know it's sometimes you just um as i said it's sort of previously you know it's it is a lonely road being a director so it's in pulling yourself out of your business for a bit of time and hanging out with some like-minded individuals in terms of you know a, again pivoting or being mm. flexible can really be quite beneficial definitely yeah are there any say with, with those those directors and the business owners that you mentioned are, are there any common complaints that you're hearing at the moment so yeah are they all dealing with similar stresses and, and, and tribulations yeah look I think the main themes that I'm seeing throughout my portfolio and probably some of the other commercial portfolios around the country is labor is a big thing at the moment it's really hard to get good people um, and there's a bit of pinching going on between, you know, industries and companies now, you know, um, comes down to that whole human capital sort of type thing. Everyone wants good people um, in their business and, you know, some companies have even, you know, got quite innovative on that, you know, and, and which is, you know, maybe counterproductive to the economy in general. But um, And the other one is probably just, you know, we're interesting times around shipping at the moment you know it's very it's still quite patchy mm. and um, I think you know New Zealand probably not as 
bigger country on the global stage to attract, you know, large investment for those companies to, to kind of speed it up. So, hmm. How, how do you think that, yeah, I, d- I don't want to say the phrase, get back to normal, because I think there's, there's always a new normal. But, but do you think that will be the case? Do you think any other trends will start to appear as we come into this kind of new post-COVID not quite where it's going politically world yeah i think um uh, look the shipping data suggests that it's starting to normalize Mm. so i think we will get back to a whether it's the the old norm or there's a a shift to a new norm but i think it will stabilize eventually um how long is a piece of string i don't know i mean you're, you're seeing commentary and you know China and stuff to say that you know the more COVID outbreak. So mm. yeah, and unfortunately we are we are not on that golden shipping belt from you know Europe to America. It is a detour for us down mm. here. So yeah, it's going to be challenging, I think, for the next couple of years. Definitely, and um, I mean, I still find you know being being here my, myself only for a couple of years, and I think there's. There are disadvantages of being kind of slightly off off the beaten track, but also I think from from that digital point of view, there's there is opportunity, and I think it's, it certainly made me think differently about my business. And the whole world is accessible digitally. Mm. I think it's about giving businesses the the, the right guidance and advice for, for how to make that happen. And I mean, do you find a lot of business owners are, are I wouldn't say confused, but maybe just just a lackey in knowledge or, or need someone to show them that there is a different way of, of working or running a business or, or something like that? Um, I guess over the years you do come across pockets of that, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I sort of, I approach uh, most businesses with, I mean, I'm not the holy grail of knowledge on business and I've found over the years that business owners will teach you a great deal about their business mm-hmm. if you listen. So, um and they're quite passionate about it. Um, I suppose what I look for is, you know, do they have the right people around them giving them the right advice? So it's a bit like a makeup of a board, right? If you assemble a board with the 10 of the same people, you're going to always get a yes, but it's good to have that healthy debate around whether or not it actually has a return on asset value or are we going for a long-term investment? What are we... What are we doing with our people? How are we growing? You know that sustainable side of our new stuff coming through. So we've got succession plans into roles and leadership mm. and all of that sort of stuff. That sometimes they tend to probably miss a little bit sometimes, or don't spend that time on that. But so yeah, so I just I really try to sort of challenge businesses just to. Um, pick three kind of critical success factors to their business, you know, the the things that they must get right in order to, you know, deliver on their goals, you know, whatever those goals may be, Um, and then sort of focus on those, really, and I sort of tend to wrap my conversations around those, yeah, from time to time. I love that in terms of of focusing on those three critical success factors, and, and it's been sometimes a recurring theme on this podcast where we've talked about shiny object syndrome and I think the temptation now is the downside of that digital world that we spoke about is that there's so many 
you see so many people doing so many different things. I think for many business owners, mm. there's a temptation, especially if things maybe aren't going the way they'd like to, to be saying, well, I'm going to go and do that or I'm going to, mm. you know, we're going to start off an online store or we'll do coaching or we'll do a, a new product line or something else. And it's, they can, I believe, dilute what, what makes them great. Yes, I agree. Mm. Yeah, I think there's, um, I've seen <clears throat> a kind of a, a sway towards a uh, in, in business, particularly in this, you know, some the startups and sometimes just some of the thought leadership within organisations around it's good to fail fast mm. in multiple times, you know, and sort of the you know a, an iteration of another product or, or something like that. We sort of get it to market, and I think that's um, there is a place for that. But also, I think there's um, a place for actually taking a step back and going, okay, well, you know, what? Let's just go back to the basics. What? What did we? What? What's our foundation, and what are we trying to deliver? And like I say, sometimes it's good to have that spread of people around you. Definitely. Yeah. I think. I mean, that that fail fast point is is a key one, and I've probably been there as well. My uh, myself in uh, in my early business years, and it's it's understanding the difference of saying this isn't working, so this is a great example of failing fast and then going in a different direction, mm. or just saying, this is just tough and we need to keep going yes. and, and push through it. And how how do people know the difference? <laughs> I guess coming to speak to you is probably the best way to find out the difference, but of it, yeah. it's, I think that indecision of, of, like I say, is this not working or do I just have to push through and, and we'll get to somewhere better? It's so difficult for people. Yeah, it's, an, it's, it's a tough question to answer and you sort of, I've seen a few different companies over my time have fantastic ideas mm. and where it falls over is that they either hold on to the product too long before they release it to market or they haven't got the supply chain networks in place in order to deliver it globally. Mm. Um, it depends, I suppose, whether or not you're focused on making a widget internally in New Zealand or you want to be, you know, um, kind of on the global stage or have the ability to export your product overseas or, mm. or input, obviously. But, um, yeah, it's... That supply chain is key. Mm. Like I, I've I've seen companies do very very well going into partnership with larger corporates that already have existing supply chains and offshore ports, etc. And okay, so they might give away a little bit of their company or or a percentage of the product or something. But mm. I, I think that benefit far outweighs. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, and I, I heard this in a, in, a, in a meeting I was in this morning. Is someone was saying around many business owners, they'll they'll say you know, take on twenty customers and they'll make twenty promises, and to the outside world, they'll be saying we're winning because we've got twenty customers. But they don't, if you can't fulfil those twenty promises because mm. of things like supply chain or capacity or um, human capital, all of a sudden things can go wrong very quickly because mm. then you've got. 20 broken promises, 20 upset customers, and that's obviously not a great way to, to build a business. Mm. No, I agree. I think um, your, your brand's important mm. and, and being able to deliver on it. Like From our point of view, it's important that we can deliver customer service to our clients. Um, yeah. yeah, sort of... Um, it's, uh, but it's a, it is a balancing act, you know, between kind of growing and 
all the disruptions you've got in the world at the moment with you know getting product out or in and so and but, uh, the feedback I've had a lot though is that clients are, the customers are actually pretty forgiving particularly to a New Zealand company. We've, you know, we've got a great brand on the international stage. The New Zealand Dot Inc. is pretty, pretty, pretty solid. Mm. If it's made in New Zealand, it's, it's made pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what, you mentioned that around the, um, you know, the, the being forgiving and that trust, but what does, what does good customer service mean to you? Because I imagine there may be cases when, how do I say, you sometimes have to have, more difficult conversations mm. with um, with you know, other clients or businesses, but there's a way I imagine to have those conversations and still deliver a great customer service and, and, and build that customer trust. Yeah, I think um, well, first and foremost, pick up the phones are probably my number one thing. If it rings, it's a client; they probably want to talk to you. So, yeah. I used to say hello. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny how many businesses don't do that, and how many people I know. Um, yeah, where when the phone rings, they have a panic attack, and they'll be like, I can't answer it. This might be someone, of course it's someone, they want to speak to you. Yeah, it's a mindset change, right? Yeah. It's an opportunity and sort of to engage with them. So mm. um, I think the more you can engage with your clients, the better it is, Definitely. right, through the good times and the bad times. Mm. Um, delivering, um, you know, having those tougher conversations is always challenging, I think, particularly, um, you know, us as bankers, we, we love to say yes. I mean, that's, you know, we love helping businesses grow. Um, I know that, you know, all of our relationship managers in Kiwi Bank, you know, do a fantastic job. But if we have to say no, it's it's not a, it's not always a flat no. If it is a, if it's a no, it's not, we probably think it's not a great idea, you know, and we're, we're literally genuinely trying to protect you, your business and your assets, you know, yeah. and... But nine times out of ten, we sort of deliver a pretty clear pathway as to how we can make it happen, you know. And there has to be a bit of give and take sometimes, you know. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that's, we all find difficult with, with conversations. And I know, you know, we we don't like people say no to us. So we also don't like to be the people that, that say no. Mm. I think if it's delivered in the right way, in a constructive way, mm. then um, as I've, I've had clients before and, Deep down, they could be quite happy so to hear a no sometimes. If and if it's say it's about that that failing fast and, and failing forward approach. Yeah, I wanted to ask you as well: Have there been any any times in terms of the the, the clients you've worked with or in, in your career when when a business has really surprised you in terms of have they got in a new direction or been a, a amazing success story and and the speed of that has has surprised you and just made you think, wow. Yeah, I mean, I'll be um, brutally honest. Mike, I've got probably the coolest portfolio of nice. commercial commercial customers. Um, I think, arguably, in New Zealand and any bank, mm. you know, um, I've got such a cool spread of people doing different things, from startups to super yacht builders to mm. yeah, guys that manufacture, you know, bespoke bench tops and all all the kind of cool techie stuff that I'm, I sort of try and dip into. Um, probably the one that's amazed me the most, um, I always had a pretty good feeling about them, you know, but they probably um, accelerated beyond my expectation would be Upco. Mm. Um, so we love Upco here, definitely. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty special company, special product. Mm. Um, yeah, and they're just they're going to dominate, I think, you know, in that, in that space for, for a reasonable amount of time. Definitely. Yeah. 
I think it's in many ways, and we, uh, I'm sure we'll be having the, the UpCo team on the podcast in, in an upcoming episode, but it's, I think like we were saying at the start, it's a bit like the, maybe the banking industry as a whole. It's, it's taking a new idea to an established market and being, being that newcomer mm. allows you to do things differently. And I think that's, that's what we've seen with UpCo. That's what we've seen with, with Kiwi Bank. And mm. it's, it's the opportunity to, to start again. And, and I think that's, well, I'd love to get your views, but a really important piece of advice for business owners because I think sometimes everyone's trying to be the new Uber or the new Airbnb. Mm. And I think you don't need to do that. It's about finding a market where you've got some proof and evidence that it's possible to make money mm. and just bringing a fresh approach to it can, as we've seen, can, can work wonders. Yeah, I think, um, like, if I use UpCo as an example, it's it's been, it's an idea that was born probably out of lack of practicality for a tool on a farm and someone's taken that idea and just said I can make it better mm. you know, and they have made it better it's it's a fantastic product it's it's um you know it doesn't break down mm. you know for a start it doesn't have a change it doesn't have petrol mm. um but the sustainable focus of it I think is around you know more so just a not so much the battery or you know the electricity but there's so many other avenues within their company where they the, the sustainable focus is on you know around people around things like well-being of animals on farms it's nice and quiet it's you know the whole product really just kind of fits in mm. america love it yeah i mean you know they're in helped by driving some legislation you know through different markets where you can't access certain parks with petrol vehicles and stuff like that but, yeah but it really is a pretty cool experience to be on one in, in nature you know I'm sure yeah definitely i think that's and you highlight a key point there as well but i think for well potentially for many businesses these days you yeah, have having a great product is, is obviously key and, and great leadership but also that that wider piece of you know, looking after employees mental health uh looking after the environment all these more um you know, I was going to say holistic, which isn't really the world, isn't really the word, but um, so it's thinking wider than just product, money, and, and that being it. And, and I imagine Kiwi Bank does a few things around that as well in terms of, and I've seen what you do around sustainability and, and, and making sure that your people are, are valued and, and love what they do. Yeah, we, we do some really, really great stuff around that. We're B Corp certified. Um, I'm not sure if we're the only bank in New Zealand to be B Corp certified, but I certainly think we're one of a few. Yeah. Um, Kiwi Bank, um, our, our lovely CEO, Steve Yukovic, gave us, um, you know, in Charlotte Ward, our head of HR, instituted um, wellbeing days, mm. one, a, one a quarter, which is quite nice um, as well. And um, But we've generally got a great, I think we've got a great team culture within Kiwi Bank. We all kind of look after each other and sub into different business units to help them out when they're behind or under the pump. Definitely. Yeah, no one, I don't think anyone's really scared to sweep the changing room floor, eh? It's, and it's nice. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it's a key part and that's, I think, so important of, uh, so important a way of creating a, a winning company culture because those words are banded around by, by every business around, you know, we've got a great culture and people love it here, but... I think being willing to, to really roll your sleeves up and, and, mm. and genuinely helping people, it, it, brings, it brings the team so much closer when, mm. when you know you're all working towards a common goal. Mm. And we, we're, I mean, we just, 
I love the fact uh, that we're so focused on growing New Zealand business. Mm. Like it, it is genuinely real. Definitely. Yeah. And that, uh, yeah, I love that um, that mission. And I was going to ask, and um, like I say, we we don't get political on this show, but it's, so it could be a difficult question. But yeah, let, let's say we waved a magic wand and we we put you in charge of of yeah, being New Zealand business senior growth manager mm -hmm. so you can you can create the conditions across the whole country for, for businesses to be successful mm. what would you do wow that's a it's, <laughs> it's a, a deep question to throw a deep in there. question um i'd probably just i think i would just educate new zealand as a whole how important it is to grow your own business within new zealand and and link make the links to people because there is a little bit of undercurrent out there that you know some of the some people probably think that New Zealand business do too well, mm. and it's so important to the ecosystem that that we have this kind of thriving New Zealand dot Inc business kind of definitely you know it's it we've got to keep I want to keep my kids here in New Zealand and I want them to be building the next Tesla in New Zealand, hopefully in Tauranga, you know, because I want them close to me. I don't want them to have to leave to London and mm. feel like that's where their career is going, you know. Um, Who wants to go to London, honestly? Like, we've got we've got everything I actually didn't here. mean that. There's no, 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 well, there's a reason um, I left London to come here, yeah. believe me. And, and yeah, we, we joke about it, but I think it's yeah. right. And I think that yeah, that's why I'm here, because there is something special about New Zealand. There yeah. is something special about Tauranga. There's, there's so much talent. There's supportive knowledgeable banks such as yourself and i think it's something that we all have a role to play from, mm. from a local and a national perspective mm. to yeah it's like like we've got a flame that's burning and we will need to, to nurture, nurture it so it so it grows yeah and i think maybe hopefully down the track maybe there's a you know we're seeing some divergence towards kind of these sustainable finance loans you know which signals to me that the banks uh you know, all of us are, are keen to grow that space in, in New Zealand, which I think is amazing. You've got to have you've got to have a balance between sustainability and commercial acumen, obviously. Mm -hmm. You know, and we grow it for the right reasons. But I think if we can, as a country, can apply that lens of you know, hey, maybe the next thing we do is driven around these sustainable finance lending, or we're going to go into this mm -hmm. this pathway. That's got to be good for us, you know, in terms of you know building out that industry whether it be manufacturing or you know service or, or whatever there will be uh, another kind of layer come over the top you know definitely yeah. and i think that's that's a key thing and something that is is becoming more obvious to me there are some countries in the world that want to make it easy for you to do business mm. i mean when i left the uk and you saw all the, the stuff around brexit which is a whole different podcast but um you know, like Eastern Europe, countries like Estonia were saying, come and set your business out of Estonia. I was speaking to a guy this morning from the UK. He's moving out to Dubai next week mm. because they made it easy for him to set up his business in Dubai, zero tax and everything else. Yeah, we know what's happening in countries like Singapore, I think Central and South America now in places like that. So there are pockets around the world where countries are saying, we want to be a high growth zone with high growth businesses and bringing in talent. And, mm -hmm. and I think New Zealand's doing some, some great things around that. Mm. As you say, it's about 
keeping up the momentum because there, there are countries out there otherwise if we're not careful will um will will overtake us and so if we can keep the talent in the Teslas here then it's it's, it's a much more powerful thing yeah I just and just grow it you know these kids it's a great place to live yeah you know and if they've got something that they can um work towards or something you know in terms of mechanical engineering or something like that that's real cool mm. we'll keep them definitely mm. no, i love that um and i was going to, to ask as well um because we we're coming to the end of the show but we've you know, you mentioned your your family and, and your kids and everything else how how do you find that balance because i know you must have a you see, you've got all these amazing clients, this great portfolio. It's a great, fast-growing bank. How do you switch off? Is it possible to switch off? Because I imagine that there's always someone that wants to speak to you. How, how do you get that balance with that, that wonderful family life? Um, I'm very disciplined in terms of um, when I switch off from work, I switch off. So I don't take my cell phone home with me. Really? Yeah. That is quite unique I've, yeah. i haven't heard that i mean it's something that everyone would love to do but, but not many people actually do do it takes a while it mm. took me a long time um to kind of learn the discipline but i obviously have a personal phone you know that you know for my 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 normal life you know outside of banking mm. but my you know my uh seven years of of banking is on another phone and i um and i purposely i literally turn that off you know when i when i step outside the office mm. and i don't turn it back on until I step back in and I love that and such a, a simplistic way of keeping that boundaries but again I think so many of us saw during COVID that that blurring of work mm. and home life and, and then before I mean I say that as someone who was I, I recognized it last night I was doing emails at 10 o'clock in bed you wake up in the morning first thing I do reach for my phone go back on my emails mm. and it's it's so difficult to you say to, to get that balance in there but by physically leaving your phone behind it, that must be a pretty powerful thing. Yeah, I learned I learned a skill many years ago. Actually, I was on a um, on a leadership sort of type um, course, and um, the the uh, facilitator at the front sort of made the analogy that uh, talking about sort of mental health and de, you know decluttering and winding down from work. Uh, the first thing that he did was he walks in and he literally you know throws his suit on the floor mm. and he puts his worse clothes on you know and it, mm. it's a it's a it's a mechanism in your brain to kind of switch off you yeah. know, and be present with your children which is you know pretty cool as well Definitely. so yeah my cell phone is you know that's our kind of suit now isn't it yeah you know, so <laughs> leave it in the car the, pro the problems will still be there you know so i love that that's uh, that's powerful um i was going to ask you as well a couple a couple more questions before we we get on to the final one have you ever had an experience with a potential client or customer when they've come in and there's been some kind of situation where like you know the idea hasn't been good but you've seen the person does have you know, the right attitude the right mindset anything like that where you see the wrong idea right person yep. and, and, and 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 what do you do in that case um yeah it's a it is a tough one it's um particularly when they're super enthusiastic about it um and they actually have the collateral behind them mm. to, to do it you know really you know you sort of you go well okay maybe but um look it's a it's a very gentle conversation mm. um and you can actually kind of send them away with some uh, you know anchor some kind of questions in their head that provoke some thoughts which 
might swing them around. But but ultimately, you know, even with the right capital behind you, there are some things that don't appeal to us in terms of markets, you know, and, and the ability to deliver on some of those forecasts that perhaps they might bring. Yeah. And I use an example that what I'm thinking of here is that I had a, a person a few years ago um, who approached me. Uh, they wanted to... Um, start a, um, a goldfish exporting business mm-hmm. um, and, and look it, on paper it was a really good idea mm. you know but in theory um, I don't really have the knowledge around goldfish exports and stuff so I just wasn't the right person for that client yeah. at the end of the day so I just gently retracted yeah from that so yeah very very wise thing definitely <laughs> uh, and I was going to ask as well so if anyone's been listening to this podcast I say and, and they they do have that that genuine business idea, or maybe they already have a business, but they need some some advice and support to, to start to grow it and take it yep. to the next level. What what would you give them as advice? What would their their next steps be? Give us a ring here. Mm-hmm. Give us a ring at Kiwi Bank in Tauranga. Um, if you're if you're local, if you if you're not local and you're listening, um, again, give us a call here, and we can we can find a manager between the top of the North Island to the bottom of the South Island to, to connect you with, and we're more than happy to have a cup of tea and a chat. Um, whether you're new, old, growing, whatever, we'll, we'll we'll listen. Perfect, I love it. And, and Nick, as we're we're coming to the end now, but we do have secret final question oh. which is how we uh, we always love to I, I said there was no traps on this podcast except <laughs> so oh, if I lean backwards so we have a tradition on uh, Taming the Ferrets that the previous guest gets to write a question for the next guest oh. in our question book Lovely. so um, I haven't seen this question myself either so if we the good news is you get to write the question for the next guest Lovely. so if I um, go on to the right page where is the latest one? He's got some great sound effects. So. It is a real book. That he's it is a real to. book. Okay, quite a uh, quite an interesting one. But we haven't gone here in the discussion, so let's so let's find out. Um, what marketing tool has generated the most business for you? Um, I would say a mixture of yeah, LinkedIn for me is is, is a very good marketing tool in my role. Um, and I obviously, you know, I, for those of you who don't know, I, I sort of spent some time on TV and did Sunday, and it's been it's been amazing exposure um, for Kiwi Bank, really. You know, mm. in terms of our journey on sustainable business and supporting sustainable businesses, that you've seen that sort of series on. So if you haven't watched it, go watch it. The last one was Ockham. They're building an amazing product around, um, you know, green, eco-friendly homes. And, yeah, it's it's super cool that we're in, in that cutting-edge stuff. Definitely. Yeah. No, I love that. So LinkedIn and, and yeah, if, if there's any way for, for getting people on TVNZ, then that's always a uh, always a bonus as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Nick, it's been brilliant having you on Taming the Ferrets. You mentioned in terms of people reaching out, if they want to find you directly, um they find you on LinkedIn. Is there another way to, to get in touch? I'm actually pretty sure you can click on the Kiwi Bank website, go under business banking. Um, I think you can search regionally, you know, by there, and then it'll pop up with a whole lot of bankers with our with our lovely photos and they're smiling, waiting to take your call. 
Perfect. Well, we will put all the links in uh, in the show notes as well. But Nick, for now, it's been a pleasure to have you on Taming the Ferrets. We'd love to have you back in uh, in a few months' time to talk about how uh, how the rest of uh, New Zealand's growing. Uh, maybe we'll even poach you from TVNZ for a, uh, for regular. I'm sure they're terrified about us. Thanks, thanks for it. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Cool, great stuff. Thank you. Like what you hear? Don't forget to follow us on social media at Taming the Ferrets and to give us five stars on your podcast provider. We're New Zealand's best kept secret, but don't be afraid of sharing us with the world. This has been a WTF experience. Discover more of your favourite shows and learn how to launch your very own podcast at wtfproductions.nz.